You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Andre, uh, to me, this is a little bit odd. Yeah, it, it is a little bit odd, but um, I think one of the things I'm missing the most about uh, COVID right now is travel. Um, 100%. I can't, I, can't, I can't agree with you more. I love going into little shops when I'm in little towns and looking through various food shops and things like that and maybe bringing something interesting home. Hey, my, uh, my supply of olive oil is kind of dwindling. Yes. Um, so I know we, we do a little bit of the setup in our interview here, but uh, without further ado, we're about to talk to the world's only mustard sommelier. Yes, he did say mustard. Uh, you know, Michael, we often get people who send uh, interview ideas, pitches, requests, uh, just giving us um, ideas on things to talk about. And uh, I got one from my, the mustard company, talking about the whole concept of traveling without leaving the house and the idea of... With, uh, with a bottle of mustard? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but just just the whole idea that, uh, you know, if you can't get on a plane and travel, there's still a way to experience uh, a, a little piece of the culture of other regions are, around the world through uh, what you eat and, and the cuisine. Um, and when we talked with the publicist back and forth, uh, we were given an opportunity to speak with Harry. I'm going to probably not pronounce the last name properly, but La Lucis. Yes, that's correct. Wow, Andre, congratulations, well gold star. You <laughs> drank uh, enough today. And your title is the world's only mustard sommelier. That's correct. How does one get that title? Let's start there. Oh, God. Um, so uh, let's start with the fact that um, the mustard sommeliers existed back in 1747 when we opened our first boutique in Paris. Uh, then it went into extinction uh, when the boutique closed. And after years, when I was asked as a food expert in retail to open the my boutique in London and New York, um, I kind of fell across the fact that what do you do with all these flavored mustards? Like, how do you use them in your cooking? You know, the French know really well how to do it, but how do how do normal consumers do it? So I, my kind of cooking background um, fell into uh, how do you use these recipes? What can I do with them in cooking? And just came up with recipes for each and every one of the flavored mustards. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, and the deeper I got, I had a really great manager who said, this is your calling. Like, you love this so much. Go off to Dijon, learn everything you want to learn. Um, and I did. I stayed there for about six months in total and came back with this mass knowledge about mustard uh, in everything, you know, culinary from the beginning of the seed all the way to, to the mustard itself. And we found a document that did describe about having mustard sommeliers in our boutique in 1747. And everyone just looked at me and said, well, that's you. Like, this is this is who you are. Uh, so I, I guess I kind of revived the the um, the occupation from 1747. Are you offering classes? 
I'm not. We were, I was in a talk with um, a university of culinary um, food uh, studies in Brazil in creating a module about it, but it didn't go further because of, um, you know, economic situation back there and, uh, and everything. But it is something that still interests me to this day to bring it back so people can actually study it um, and actually qualify for it. Uh, and basically because sommelier as a word is quite controversial these days uh, uh, in our culture because we all associate it just with wine, but actually a, a sommelier in ancient Gaelic means someone who holds the knowledge. Um, and then the wine industry used it from the 13th century and therefore everyone thinks it's only for wine. And what is it that drew you to, um, to mustard in, in particular? I think it was the fact that um, I'm a deep uh, culinary food person. Um, it spans generations back. My my great-great-grandfather opened a restaurant uh, in my father's village in Greece um, that exists to this day. And uh, we even have the deed of the restaurant uh, that can only ever be used as a restaurant. Uh, so we can't rent it out as a house or we can't do anything else with it. It must always be a restaurant. Uh, and I grew up in this culture where my dad was from Greece, my mum is Greek Italian, and you know oh, there was there, there's a food uh, amalgamation right there. <laughs> exactly, you know my parents would fight about who had the best cuisine, if it was Greece or Sicily, uh, and you know we didn't care. We just got amazing food. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up in this culture, I think when I actually came across uh, my. Uh, as a, um, I was general manager in a in a in a cookery uh, school uh, back in London, and um, all the chefs every time they would give me the the shopping list, they always said mustard and they always specified it must be my. Uh, and I asked one of my friend chefs and I said, well, you know, what's going on with this mustard? How special is it? And he introduced it to me, and you know, I really loved it. But when my approached me to open the first boutique, I never knew that, you know, you could actually have flavoured mustards. Uh, and my, at the time, had 38 different flavours of mustard. And that allowed me. I don't think we see that was all in Canada. I'm 100% no. positive. We only see, no, like, wouldn't. as far as I know, we only see, like, two. We've got the 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 whole, the whole grain mustard, and we've got the just the regular... Dijon, but it's exactly. Oh, I think they do Dijon and other stuff like that. But well, um, it's it is. Harry, Dijon. Can you can you name all thirty eight? Uh, yeah, we don't have thirty eight right now. Uh, oh. We've reduced it a little bit, uh, not not by a lot, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I could name them all for you. But uh, in Canada, you actually have about ten variants. Huh. All right. What what are they? I'd I'd be interested. I'd be interested to know what the all the variants are. Um, but if you can name just the ones in Canada, I'll take that too. How about that? Yeah. Well, um, I hope I'm accurate on this because uh, I haven't been to Canada due to Corona, of course, in a while. But and things change. But you can find most of the flavors uh, in also like delicatessen stores, um, like Pusateri's, for example. You can find it. Uh, but you have things like uh, you have tarragon mustard, you have uh, red pepper and garlic, uh, you have honey mustard, obviously. Um, you also have uh, uh, flavors like uh, the honey and balsamic mustard. Hello. Mm, which is a great one. 
Uh, and then you can find lots of smaller flavored ones. Usually when we do our activations around Canada, uh, like for example, Taste of Toronto, we'll do a mini store where you can find flavors like dill and lime, fig and coriander. Um, you can find uh, flavors like uh, lemon and garlic, uh, tomato uh, and, uh, and chili. Uh, there's quite a few. You, you, you've got me now wanting to visit, visit this store <laughs> no it is it is it is interesting just to see all the different uh different flavors available and how they work in cuisine i'm a big fan of um tarragon dijon i haven't seen the the my one but found it at a different brand that we won't won't mention but like it's something that when you're doing things like fish or even just different salad dressings and really bring them to life i know one question michael and i when we were when we were talking this morning you know we were talking a bit about you know the concept of food and ingredients tasting where they where they come from like is that mm-hmm. something that that you've studied all or talked about harry because like you know we we're a pretty agricultural country um in in canada i know we grow mustard here is, is there a way to tell or find mustards that taste different in canada versus france versus other places yeah you do i mean the thing with um the difference between mustards is you have obviously your English type mustard, you have your yellow mustard uh, in brackets, I would say the mustard part. Yeah. <laughs> um, then you have Dijon mustard, of course. And really where you find that the there's a huge difference in flavors is with Dijon mustard. And the reason because is Dijon mustard is actually a, uh, it's not a DOC and it's not an appellation Uh, or an AOC. And the reason for that is because Dijon is called Dijon because of the way it's made. So the recipe that it's actually made with. It's not because it comes from the city of Dijon only. Um, Now in Canada, you have double uh, uh, benefit of that, that for my, for example, it actually does come from uh, the region of Dijon. Uh, Our factory is only six kilometers away from uh, the city center. But really with Dijon, what you get is you have the black seed, uh, which must be, this is the recipe base, that it must be the black seed. You have the white wine vinegar uh, and you also have, uh, or spirit vinegar, and you also have uh, just the salt. These are the key ingredients to a Dijon mustard. And the main thing you see with that is that Dijon mustard should have less than 2.5% of the husk of the mustard seed. And that really changes the flavor because you don't have the mustard, the the, the husk has um, kind of a bitterness to it. Uh, so if you, you were talking about Dijon mustard, you can really see the flavor develop, uh, uh, especially when you're using it in your cooking. Because you know a teaspoon of Dijon mustard can can increase the flavor in your cooking by by uh, almost tenfold uh, in in just by adding a teaspoon. So this is where the benefits are of the Dijon mustard. That's not to say that the other mustards are not great, but they have for me a limited use. So for example, an English mustard is amazing with a with a roast, um, but you wouldn't really use it in your cooking. Uh, a yellow mustard is something that, you know, in North America, you guys like to use it a lot on hot dogs. Uh, and it's because it's not quite spicy. Uh, however, in Quebec, for example, you find that Mai and Dijon is is the most favorable mustard to use. And that's because of the flavor profile that is, um, let's, not, let's not kid each other. It's, it's a little bit more refined uh, because of the French background. 
So just to just to get this, so Dijon mustard is a process, not a terroir driven where the mustard is grown. Exactly. Got it. Huh. Same. So so we can make Dijon mustard from Canadian mustard. Yes, well, we do as well. I mean, yes. Canadian mustard seeds are um, one of the best in the world. Ah, well, that's always good to hear. <laughs> and, and our chests throw out with pride. You gotta, you gotta thank Saskatchewan for that. <laughs> hey, for for once on the podcast, I'm not the one who mentioned it first. That that is true. Andre is from Saskatchewan, and he's always talking about how his dog, when it when he leaves, he can wave goodbye to it for three days. So. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and really, you owe that to the fact that mustard seed um, quality is based on the pungency and the selenium that is actually in the seed, uh, the, the, the levels of it. And you only get that in extreme environments. So in extreme heat or in extreme cold, uh, the mustard plant to protect itself will create more selenium, which is the pungency in the mustard seed, uh, to protect itself from the extreme environment. And that's why you have a very good quality in Saskatchewan. Well, Andre, you should feel even more proud. <laughs> um, well, I guess, Harry, I, I, um, you know, I'm sort of getting to the end of, of, question, of questions here. I don't know what you've got, Michael, but do you have uh, like anything in particular that you really just love to um, to, to use the mustard for or to cook with uh, Dijon mustard? For me, really, the magic is in the fact that um, when you do use mustard in your cooking, if you do it in its warm form, um, mustard added to the food, it doesn't like the heat. So it kind of um, escapes. So it creates a gas, the, the very known sinister mustard gas, um, in high quantities, but in, in your food, what it does is it kind of creates this bubble that pushes out the flavors in your food. So when you're using a Dijon mustard, it can go in, do the job, and you won't even realize that mustard was in there. And this is why this is the biggest secret of French cuisine. Uh, you know, you add some Dijon mustard to a sauce and it, it just binds everything together, brings out the flavors, uh, and intensifies the dish uh, and balances it out. In its cold form, it um, it's antibacterial. It doesn't like anything living in it. So whenever you add something to the mustard, it tries to push it out. Uh, obviously, it can't physically push it out, but um, because it does that, it pushes out a lot more of the flavors. So my secret is that I use Dijon mustard in everything that I cook, uh, even traditional Greek and Italian foods. Like I do a lasagna with the mustard that we have, which is Parmesan and basil mustard that you can find in our boutiques in France. Hello. Exactly. And by doing that, you've eliminated, you know, using a lot of Parmesan uh, cheese. So you've downgraded the amount of, of, um, of cheese and fat that you've used, obviously, in the lasagna dish just by adding mustard but not losing the flavor. So this is my secret with mustard, really, that I always say to people in the world. You know, if you use dill and lime mustard, for example, if you don't find dill and lime mustard, just put dill and squeeze some lime into some Dijon mustard and you can make it yourself and just smear it over fish and grill it in the oven for 10 minutes. You know, it's about cutting corners, but without losing the flavor. I, I'm, I'm just really want to go back to this mustard gas thing. Explain mustard gas to us again. That's that seemed interesting. So when mustard is cooked, um, it creates a gas um, and this gas tries to escape. 
so really, if you if you look at the mustard gas that was used uh, uh, in the Second World War, for example, it was basically boiling down mustard seeds and creating gas that was actually captured and used uh, used in uh, in inappropriate ways. Huh. I just thought it was the name mustard gas. I didn't realize yeah. it was actually made from mustard. Yeah, no it kidding. It actually was made from mustard. <laughs> You never, you never thought uh, mustard could have a diabolical side to it. Nope. Everything does in life as long as you don't use it in scale. <laughs> True enough. Well, some of those mustards sound great, uh, Harry. I, I really wish that we, we got more of them because I'm, I always find when I'm in those specialty shops getting mustards and honeys and things like that, that I'm always drawn to the ones with, with really you know interesting flavors to them. That, that honey and, and fig, I think you, you mentioned, that sounded really good. And I know Andre had mentioned the, the tarragon. So, Andre, you and I have to go mustard shopping at some point, or we have to go to France and, and, and see this shop. Or, Harry, you're in Amsterdam. You have a shop there, I'm assuming? We don't have a shop here. We have actually a partner that has one of our fresh serve mustards that we do from the pump. Uh, and that one is the uh, Chablis white wine with black truffle. Got it. So as mustard ex- as uh, wine experts yourselves, you should know that mustard and wine is really heavily intertwined in Burgundy. Andre, you've been to Burgundy. You must have noticed that. Uh, uh... Like as I said last time I was in Burgundy, I visited um, Fayo in in Bone. I haven't made it up to the city of Dijon proper. Um, so for my when you're making uh, making the mustard in France, is is there something about sourcing the white wine vinegar from producers in Burgundy? Yes, it is. It's also about the seeds. So. Um... In uh, 1990, when uh, um, Mai was acquired by Unilever, um, we did not, there was no mustard seeds growing in the region of Burgundy, which was the birthplace of, uh, of mustard. Uh, and a series of companies got together and made sure that the mustard seed did return to Burgundy. And actually, it's one of the biggest benefits now in Burgundy because mustard seed actually renews the soil and this was the benefit that the vineyards had back in the um in the uh in the 13th century uh in the 14th century sorry uh where the monks would actually plant mustard seeds in september uh and when they would grow to about 10 10 uh, centimeters high they would remove the mustard plant uh because what it had done it had helped the soil to renew its nutrients um uh, so the the vineyards can actually last through the winter and actually that's also side note that's exactly what it does to our body when we eat mustard it helps our body absorb more nutrients from our food um, so that's the heavy connection with, uh, with, with Burgundy. And of course, for my, it's really important for us to always source locally first and then go externally. Uh, so the reason why we do buy mustard seeds from Canada is because we reach the capacity in Burgundy for the amount of mustard that we need to make. Uh, so everything does come locally first. We, we actually make our own vinegar uh, in our factory in, uh, in Chevigny-Saint-Sauveur. Uh, to actually serve this purpose that we need to always, you know, safeguard the quality of what goes into our mustard. And and for us, uh, from our DNA, Burgundy is is the key part of uh, of sourcing. So what you're telling me is that Mai is made with, with Chardonnay? Uh, Mai is made, uh, not all of them globally, but the ones that you find in our boutique. Uh, we have uh, Chablis. 
uh, from the region of Burgundy. We have Chardonnay as well from Burgundy. Uh, for example, our, uh, our whole grain mustard that you find in our boutiques is made with the Chardonnay wine from Burgundy. Uh, and uh, and we also have a Chardonnay wine uh, mustard, which we make uh, Parmesan and, and white truffle. Best use of Chardonnay I've ever heard, Andre. <laughs> That's debatable, but it's uh, it just once again. So we, for the for the first time ever in the history of this podcast, we have a guest and not me who brought up Chardonnay and Saskatchewan. So <laughs> that is kind of shocking. I'm I am surprised by that. So uh, Harry, just really really quickly, and then we'll and then we'll let you go. So um, you I, you as a mustard sommelier, if I gave you two mustards which were made in the same way so two dijon mustards and one was made with uh mustard seed from burgundy and one was made from canadian could you tell the difference um no because the thing is that between them when the mustard seed is actually produced the levels of selenium that is in the mustard is actually measured uh by a special machine uh and they to reach the quality to make the my mustard you would have to have the same high quality uh, so it would be exactly the same with what we get from Canada and what we get from Burgundy. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Okay. I actually learned a lot of stuff about mustard, including the fact that mine's made with Chardonnay. Not the first time I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us the time and, and staying up late uh, doing this, and hopefully we'll get a chance to at some time eventually get together and do um, a, a wine and mustard pe- t- tasting. Absolutely. That would be great. That would be fantastic. Thank you, Harry. We really appreciate your time. Now uh, go to sleep or have a glass of wine. Uh, I think the, the latter. <laughs> Andre, I have uh, a real Jones to go mustard shopping. Yeah. Um, and it's it's true what he said about my being such a, a standard in French cooking. Um, as I don't know, a, a lot of people know, as a lot of people listening to this podcast know, I'm one of my business partners in ADX is uh, a guy named Guillaume from France, and uh, he pretty much shows up at my house with a jar of my if he thinks that I'm running low. And that's well, not we're not being paid the, we're we're not being it, paid it, by my to talk about this. Is it flavor? No, just like just, the the regular Dijon. It's just like it's it's industry standard. It's it's like almost cultural standard in in France that that's mustard is my I, mustard. I gotta go to some specialty shops around here. I know, like Toronto, I'm sure you've got tons of them. You know, he mentioned pousseteries and things like that. But we have like camisos down here. Maybe I can. I gotta find some of this this interesting mustard that he's talked about because I guess I just never, I've never looked in a specialty shop. Uh, in Canada, because I'm always just assuming I have to go elsewhere to find stuff like this. So all that being said, we actually were not paid by mine to do this. We were not paid by mine to do this. We just thought it was an interesting opportunity to do something a little different. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, But if Mai wants to send us some mustards, hey, we're here. Totally. Uh, I'm all for it. Check us out on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com we'll work slash, for mustard. slash two guys talking wine. Um, we appreciate anyone who uh, takes the time to uh, give us some support and uh, help us keep the podcast going. Uh, and I'm Andre Pru at Andre Wine Review on all socials and AndreWineReview.ca. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. I'm at the Grape Guy most places on Facebook. I'm I'm just myself. Uh, Andre, hey, that it, was kind of fun. It, isn't it great? Like seriously, 
he brought up both Chardonnay and Saskatchewan, and those words didn't come out of my mouth first on this podcast. No, but they did come out of your mouth last. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.